Yo, what up, brah? See, Rosie, I heard you talking about me. I mean, yes, you did invite me, but I wasn't out with friends. I was on my couch with my family. I didn't I, go anywhere. You could have come over. I didn't want to. I wanted to stay at home with my wife and my kids. So you're saying they're more important than I am? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's hey, true. before we get started, we didn't mention this yesterday. I think both you and I both have uh, a few awesome moments with this guy who passed away, Ray Fossey. Yeah. I wanted to give a shout out. I only played with Oakland for half a year. They signed me as a free agent. I was there until June. Uh, wasn't a great player while I was there, but I'll tell you what, Ray was incredible to me. Always talking to me, boosting me up, making me very optimistic about what I was dealing with. And that wasn't just to my face, like, you know, talking to me. Also on the broadcast too, like the guy is, he was one in a million. And, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people's hearts are broken around open. And like I said, I only knew him for a short time, but he made a big impact on me. So I wanted to just make sure we give a shout out to Ray Fossey. An, an amazing broadcaster, but like go look at his playing stats too. The guy, the guy could lace him up and uh, with no the best. No question. Stuff. Obviously, yeah, and well done. I should have done that yesterday. Um, and it was so – it was really classy, the Giants, to, to give him a moment of silence. Um, broadcaster from across the bay. For people that don't know – he was an all-star catcher. He was run over by Pete Rose, extra innings, all-star game in Cincinnati. He was never really the same player after that. Uh, and whenever I would, I would go cover an A's game, um, I would always see him there. And he'd come up and he'd say, I tweeted this out. He'd go, Chris Rose, the man from Cleveland, Ohio. What is going on? And I mean, for me, that was such an honor and such a thrill to have a guy who I, you know, I grew up listening to call A's games uh, when I could catch him for him to come up and, and recognize me like that. It was, and by the way, the biggest hands ever, oh. <laughs> those it, meat hooks were un incredible. It felt like he had a catcher's glove on when he shook your hand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also another special shout out. I'm sure a lot of you had heard this on the TBS broadcast the other night. And also uh, perhaps if you were watching the NFL game last night, Joe Buck did it. Brian Anderson did it on the TBS we lost a, a, a dear friend of mine, Aaron Charlton, who was a researcher for me at Fox, uh, former Giants farmhand, the sweetest guy ever, man. I, I didn't even know he was sick. I think the end came very, very quickly for him, 50 years old. And uh, a guy who I used to, you know, travel with during the Fox baseball playoffs from 09 through 2011. He was my right-hand man research-wise for a long time uh, before he went up to the booth and, and helped out countless play-by-play and analyst people in the booth. And uh, that was a tough one. I, I found out like everybody else did on the broadcast. I was literally eating dinner and I had to spit out my food. I was so, I was shocked. I was literally like knocked silly. It was one of those. And I'm sorry. To is this was his favorite time of year. He loved October. And so um, I'm sure he was, he was walking from a good place last night as we kind of officially now welcome you to the playoff edition of baseball today presented to you by friends at dugout mugs. Uh, the fifth game was exactly what we expected. Tight, low scoring, great call on your part and down to the final swing. What will you take away from that game last night? I mean, it was Vin, Vin Scully called it the most important game in the rivalry history. 
which if anyone knows is a big rivalry. And I think it lived up to those expectations. That's kind of what my main takeaway is. It was just a great baseball game. Logan Webb announced himself as a star. If he hadn't already, like on a national stage like that, I said, hey, maybe the moment could get too big for a 24-year-old. It didn't. <laughs> He's too big for the moment. Like, that guy is so good. He made great pitches. Um, the one pitch that was a Seager wasn't even a bad pitch. Just no, a not pitch. a bad pitch. Like, I thought the Urias coming in and doing his thing. Darren Ruff, great call on your part. I mean, there was just so many good baseball moments there. Uh, I, wish we, I wish we had two more games. Yeah. That's what, I, that's, what I, that's what I told Brady, my youngest son. I was like, the only thing that sucks about this is that the series was five instead of seven games. So a few things. I had tweeted earlier in the series. Uh, it, it didn't intend to be a mean-spirited tweet because I said, I don't mean to pile on, but I am curious how much money Cody Bellinger has cost himself. It was in a game where I think it might have been the wild card game where he had struck out a couple of times. He ended up getting a big double, uh, I believe. But, you know, it's because it's a question that we've asked. And I think it's a, a pertinent question because a guy has in two years gone from being the league MVP to being a guy who hit 165, whose OPS plus was 45 this year when the league average is right around 100, whose war was negative 1.5. That is all hard to do. And he put that to bed last night with that ninth inning single. You could see almost, and he's actually had a good playoffs. He's had really good at bats, you know, um, He's taken some walks. He's laid off a lot of pitches that he's been swinging and missing. And I know he's been dealing with injuries this year. I get it. But at the end of the day, if you're out there, you have to produce, particularly when you have MVP after your name. I thought it was great for him. I thought that was huge. Didn't you? It's awesome because there's a tangible change there. Like he made an adjustment after probably not wanting to make an adjustment because he's had so much success the other way. I think he's realized that, look, your body changes, whether you're getting older, whether you get hurt, like he did. And they kept showing that bash that he did on the world series. last year that dislocated his arm. It's like, dude, let's relax on that. But he, he had to make an adjustment and he did. And it's been paying off. Like hopefully that carries into the rest of the playoffs, into the offseason, and he can come back and do it for 162. Because I know it's erasing a lot of the season in our memory now, but like we're still going to think about how rough of a year he had in 2021, regardless of what he does in the playoffs. We'll be happy for him that he maybe turned it around in the playoffs, but you've got to get it done through 162 as well, especially if you're trying to get paid, like you're saying. So – the adjustment seems to be working. I'm happy for him because everyone loves him. You talk to anybody, like I put out a, something the other night on my Instagram. I said, oh, belly getting knocks at the Dodger game. And I had a bunch of guys saying, like, we love him. Like, that's so good. So he's well-liked around the game. I'm happy he made the adjustment. He's just got to uh, continue to do it. Here's the incredible thing. He might not have had this shot had Max Muncy been healthy. Exactly. There might not have been a spot in the, in the wild card game for him at all. That's when things maybe started to turn a little bit for him. And, you know, he could have been the fourth outfielder. He could have been yep. a defensive replacement and a base runner and relegated to pinch hitting duties if it exactly. hadn't been for that injury. Yeah, that's exactly what he would have been. I mean, Lux is starting over Pollock right now. Like, he wasn't going to crack those two guys. And it's, it's Muncy being out that's put him in the lineup. And kudos to him. Kudos to him. Like, he's, he's contributed in a big way. Max Scherzer, when I saw him warming up, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to happen. This is really going to happen. The guy has made 13 career relief appearances in 431 previous big league games. He had never had a save before last night. And for a guy who had been a little wild in his previous three starts, 
That was a risky sort of thing. Yeah, I didn't like it when he came in. I actually texted my Dodger buddies like, I don't think this is great for Max right now. Like coming in this way, I thought that he might he might not have the zip that he needed on his fastball and, and you know the sharpness on his breaking stuff. But I was wrong. <laughs> he looked great. He looked good there. So Max is feeling it. That's 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 scary for the rest of the teams out there because. You know, we know how deep this team is, and for him to be able to come up on short rest and pitch like that, like, the guy, the guy's found something. It was a fascinating game. Uh, I mean, after we were done with baseball today, several hours later, we all get word about Corey Knavel. He did his job. Bruce Argreterol, uh danced around some issues. You know, then Julio Urias comes in. Every little piece of that game five, a decisive game, was exactly what you wanted except for the last check swing. And I tweeted out that I, I know there's a lot of national talking head shows that don't talk about baseball at all. And it might be the only thing they talk about today is the apparent missed check swing. And while I understand it, I think it's such a shitty thing to have happen because there was so much great drama dripping off of that game five. But I also understand it, dude. That's a tough way to finish the season. Yeah, and it's, everyone has the right to be upset of that. Like, that was yep. just a – it was a very bad call. Uh, I thought Kapler handled it great after the game. He's great. Like, I mean, he, he said what he's supposed to say. There's other instances where we could have won the game. That wasn't the play that lost us the game. It was just the nope. play of the game. Which, you know, it's he's he's being a nice guy right there. That was a yeah, bad – Yeah, but he's also being – he's also right. Because even if it's a check swing, isn't it one and two at that exactly. point for a guy who's 0-17 with eight punch-outs against Scherzer? Yeah, Scherzer's not an easy bet, especially if, if you're like him and like me who don't see him well. So it's it was going to be tough for them. You just don't want the game to end that way. My point, my point on the whole thing is that is an extremely difficult call. I don't care what anybody says on the internet. Saying, that was the easiest no uh, swing call there ever no. was. In real time, you're standing nine – 100 feet away, 110 feet away, and you're looking at a bat going over 100 miles an hour like that, it's very tough to call. It's dumb that we have these – that we're letting umpires make these calls. Dale Scott came on our show and just said how difficult not only is the rule to interpret, but to be able to see it in real time. He said the only way you can get better at those is to see them a bunch and a bunch and a bunch, and even then there are some times where it's just a guess. Yep. And that's what happened last night. It happened in the biggest moment. I feel terrible for Gabe. He knows he made a bad call. He's sitting in, a, in his hotel room somewhere right now with his, with his head in his hands probably. So I don't want to pile on him. I just think we need something different for that. There's so like Tennis has easy replay. Like We need something like that where yes. we can green light, red light, or at least, have, at least, at least Chris, the very least, have that thing be reviewable. Well, I think this has been, <clears throat> unfortunately, a common theme throughout the playoffs. The Kiermaier ground rule double, which was called correctly, the play with the Brewers, where it bounced around, but it was non-reviewable because it happened before third base. And now this. Not that they were all called incorrectly or correctly, whatever. The point is, is that we can be better as a sport. We can fix that stuff. Let's fix it so that the national shows that the only times they touch on baseball is when they're controversy because they're shitty calls or shitty rules. Let's not have that. We should all be talking about what an amazing game we had. Yes. Where one team that has 110 wins beat another team that had 109 wins. This just doesn't happen in sports. 
that's what we should be focusing on. But because people are stubborn or they're slow, meaning they just don't want to deal with stuff, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It was an excellent game. We should focus on that. Right. <laughs> it was an awesome game. And Longo, my guy, almost got up there with a the chance against Scherzer with the runner on. That's the one thing I'm most excited about. I needed that at bat. I needed that. Didn't quite happen. Didn't happen. He, he got left on deck. We'll have time tomorrow to focus on the uh, Dodgers and the Braves as they rekindle their NLCS relationship for the second straight year. But we bid adieu to the San Francisco Giants. How do you sum up their season? I think it was a massive success. And I know it hurts right now. It hurts. All the Giants fans are hurting. Um, I have a few that I talked to that are like, hey, like we weren't supposed to be here. This is awesome. It seems like we found a system that works. We found our, our coaching staff that works. Um, you know, they're going to have some work to do in the offseason. They got to figure out a way to get Bryant back. I think that's, that's number one. They got to get that guy back. Um, they got to get maybe another starter. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Gaussman if they don't re-sign him. So there's some work to be done. But I think the system that they have um, – made there works and so i don't think this is a flash and one year you don't win 107 games during the regular season and then the following year fall off like that it's not going to happen i like what they're doing over there um so i would look at it as a massive massive success i think giants fans will come to see that in like a week or so maybe two weeks maybe three weeks i don't know so i went back and i checked out last night after the game the preseason Pakota predictions. What percent chance did they give the Giants of winning the division? Like very two, three percent. I don't know. Zero. Zero. They gave them a zero percent chance of winning the NL West, which they did. And to me, it was remarkable with the way they did it. This sport, the the superstars are so young. We talk about it all the time. The guys that are 25 and younger are such studs in this business. They were led by 34-year-old Buster Posey, 34-year-old Brandon Crawford, 35-year-old Evan Longoria, 33-year-old Brandon Belt, 32-year-old Tommy LaStella, 34-year-old Darren Ruff. It's tough to get everybody's biorhythm on the same page for that. And it happened for 107 wins. And that is something that is remarkable. I didn't believe in him the beginning of the year. I didn't believe in him six weeks into the year. I started believing in him 10 weeks into the year. Finally, I came around. I was like, holy shit, I think this might work. But it was remarkable. It told a lot of people, you better, you better check yourself. And I had to check myself, and kudos to the Giants. I mean, yeah, but look, another saving grace. Look, you got... Camilo Doval, who I know gave up the run last night. The guy's an absolute stud. He's going to be yep. around. Nasty. Think about Logan Webb, what they have in this guy right now. He's a bona fide ace, and they helped him become that, change his arm slot. This is the stuff that successful organizations do. They can develop guys like this. You know what Logan Webb would cost on the open market right now? Crazy amounts of money. You know what he's going to make next year? Five hundred grand. Like, this yep. is. And maybe they try to extend him now and just say, hey, look, get, get it something early. They probably won't because they don't have to. But, like, this is what successful organizations do. So the Giants aren't going anywhere. They're, they have the system and the core there. They have to make some, some moves in the offseason, some signings. But I think they're going to be, you know, right there with the Dodgers next year again. Yep. 
And you made a great point about Chris Bryant. I always felt that once the Giants felt like they were pointed in the right direction, they've always been an organization that spends. Um, yeah. They usually, oddly enough, spend it on their own guys and end up keeping them a little bit too long. Here it helped them out. But with Chris Bryant, I think at age 29, they're going to look at him and they're going to say, yeah, this is a dude because of his versatility. We're going to sign. I, I would be more surprised if he left than if he re-upped. It's going to cost a lot, but I think it is. they're going to do it. Yeah, I, I, they should do it because he fits yeah. perfectly with that team. He really does. He really does. Uh, in the meantime, I want to tell everybody, if you're like us, you love free stuff. Dugout Mugs wants to give free stuff away. It's very simple. Grab one of your dugout mugs that are engraved. I love the way this – oh, God, this is amazing. Remember, this is a baseball bat material, and it's a cool dugout mug. You just do this. Take a picture, take a video, post on social media, tag Dugout Mugs. You'll be entered to win something free. Now, you might be saying, hey, Rose, Ploof, I don't have any stuff. That's okay. That's where Dugout Mugs is saying, hey, come visit us at dugoutmugs.com. You can actually get the knob shot. Where the hell is my knob shot? Somebody took my knob shot. Somebody just snaked my, my knob shot for free, and they didn't have, have to pay the eight ninety five shipping and handling. That's all you have to pay when you go to dugoutmugs.com keyword today. So go out and get yours. They're going to be with us all playoffs long. They've got the great stuff. They've got, right, the regular. They've got the wine. They've got the – my bottle opener is missing, too. My goodness. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We got moved to the back shelf. Didn't know. Here's the knob shop. That's an all-star game. This is not the – this is not my normal knob shot. So go to dugoutmugs.com, keyword today. You'll get the free knob shot, eight ninety five shipping and handling. And then take the picture, and you'll be entered to more free stuff. Is it a Cleveland Guardians knob shot? Uh, it, it is, I believe. It, this is really kind of upsetting. Anyway, let's move on. ALCS gets going today in Houston, game one, between the Red Sox and the Astros. The biggest news, I didn't check. McCullers, he, he's probably not on the, right? Mm -hmm. not not the anything after that he's out yeah so he is out uh since he is which astros pitcher most needs to step up now in his place all of them like literally every single one he's their best pitcher he's probably i mean he might be their best player on their team so this is gonna it's a huge blow to the astros it really hurts them um what was already going to be a slugfest is probably going to be even a bigger slugfest without McCullers. But, look, they have the guys. They're going to go Framber, uh, Garcia, and Rikidi, most likely games one through three. And then it's going to be Grinky maybe out of the pen for game four or at least to eat up some innings. I think that's a guy that has to step up a lot. Um, Rikidi's going to have to do it. And maybe Odorizzi. I haven't seen if he's on the roster. I'm assuming he's going to be on the roster. They need guys that can eat up some innings. So Grinky or Odorizzi – Going to have to come into one of these games. Going to have to throw multiple innings. Going to have to save the bullpen. I think as we saw with, like, Pavetta uh, and what he did in the DS, I think those two guys are going to have to step up and eat innings for the Astros uh, so they can, you know, have their pitching plan laid out the way they want to. You, you're going to have to eat the innings, and those two guys are going to have to do it. Uh, you mentioned him already. Urquidy, really, really good in the postseason, except for one series last year against Oakland where he was terrible. Other than that, he's been really good. He's pitched in eight playoff games. He's made four starts. He's come out of the bullpen four times. He's really versatile. He can give you a little length as a starter. He did throw six innings of one-run ball with, I believe, seven or nine strikeouts, something like nine Ks. 
against Boston back in May. That was a little bit of a different Boston lineup. Like Devers was hitting sixth or seventh that day. Now he's just a guy that can mash. Um, but I think he's a sneaky guy. He's a sneaky, sneaky guy. Um, no question about it. Outside of McCullers, what's the most noteworthy storyline for you between these two? I think we're going to see exact, the exact opposite kind of baseball that we saw in these in this um, NLDS between the Giants and Dodgers. We're going to see just bats everywhere. Both these teams hitting their stride offensively. Uh, the Astros scored a zillion runs against the White Sox. They were really good at the end of the year, too. And the Red Sox have just completely found their bats, and their lineup is just completely lengthened out. So, you know, I was all over the under last night on that game. I would be surprised if any of these games went under the total uh, these two teams are just absolutely mashing the ball right now, which is going to make for fun baseball because even when you think you might be out of the game, with these two teams, you're never out of the game. For me, I'm going to be really curious to see how Alex Cora handles his pitching staff. Now, he's got everything lined up, right? They only went four games. Their series was done uh, earlier than the Astros series, so they feel good about everything. They're going with Chris Sale in game one. Um, I went back and I looked at their 2018 run. They had 14 playoff games that were started by just five different guys. It was Sale, it was Price, it was Porcello, it was Eovaldi, and it was Erod. Did you also know all five of those guys pitched out of the bullpen at some point? Love that. So the creativity of Alex Cora at this time of year, right, we obviously saw it with the Dodgers last night, a little bit different because in the National League, you have to hit for your pitcher at some point. You don't have to do that in the American League, right, in the ALCS. But he always found a way to say, I'm getting the ball to my best guy available tonight. And he's going to have to do that. Because even though the Red Sox have the starting pitching edge without McCullers in this series, it's not by that significant a margin. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. So he's going to have to get creative in the bullpen, in my opinion. And I think you'll see all of his starters come out of the pen at some point in this series. Because I think it's going seven. Wow, seven games. I haven't really thought about how long this, this series is going to go. All I know is it's going to be a bloodbath. There's going to be a ton of runs scored. Yeah. Well, let's make a prediction. I mean, the McCullers thing is huge, man. Huge. I would have went out here. I just feel like they're, they're – I mean, both these teams are playoff tested um, at this point. Uh, oh, man. You're putting on the spot here, Chris. Uh-huh. I know. Something tells me the Red Sox are going to win, but I'm sticking with my prediction, man. I have to stick with it. I think the Astros take it. And if they do take it, it is going to take six games. Okay. Well, nobody wants me to pick their teams because I correctly predicted one of the last four remaining. Stay hot, Rose. So, here we go. Red Sox fans are going to hate me. Ooh. Yeah. I think they're going – the McCullers, I was going to go with Houston, and the McCullers injury swayed me to the other direction. Yeah. That's, so. a, good, that's a good way to use your brain. My brain won't let me go from my preseason pick because I'm just a big idiot. So, whatever. I'm still no, sticking. you're not a big idiot. You're smart. So, what's going to happen is, since you haven't been great at these postseason predictions either, you had the preseason predictions. You were great with those. The postseason predictions, we both struggled. Now we're on opposite sides of this. So one fan base is going to hate us, and the other one is going to love us. So whatever. Like we welcome in advance. Yeah. You're welcome. All right, very quickly, uh, let's talk about Mike Schilt getting fired after leading the Cardinals to the postseason three straight years. He took them to the wild card game, 17-game winning streak this season, 
and now he is out because of philosophical differences with the organization. Scale to one to five. When you saw that happen, how shocked were you? When I saw it come down, I, w I was shocked because, you know, I mean, I'm not like in uh, Cardinals universe that often. I'm not right. on the board. It's like what people are saying. You know, you see the 17 game win streak. You see them making the playoffs. Like it seemed like it's a pretty successful year. But then you think back, where were the Cardinals projected to finish? Like you go sign Nolan Arenado. I think they kind of underachieved. Traded for him. Tra traded for him, excuse me. Uh, I know they kind of underachieved. There was some injuries. Um, so when you really – when you really think back upon it, I don't know. He, he seemed like he did a good job. And then it came out of nowhere, this news. Then I kind of poked around and asked a few guys. And then it wasn't so shocking to me. Wow. So okay. from the outsider's perspective, I think we all were shocked. But I think internally they probably had been having discussions about this for quite some time. Fair enough. Yeah, we don't, we don't ever know the whole story. Uh, I would say this, that it sounded, I think there's ways to dismiss people. I really think there's, there's, it's never an easy way to tell somebody they're fired and they're not welcome back. This guy was a Cardinals lifer, essentially. Yeah. And if you want to move on, that's your prerogative, man. I mean, if, you know, just because you make the playoffs, that's not always a good enough reason. I mean, their goal is to win the World Series. It's not to you know, put together a 17-game winning streak and, and eke your way into the playoffs. That's not how they want to roll. That's not the cardinal way. But there is a right way to do things. And it sure as hell didn't sound like they handled this right. To me, that's the most disappointing way of doing it. Like, he picks picks up the phone. It's like, yeah, fired. <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes, though. I know, but it doesn't make it right. <laughs> that's how I got fired from the twins the first time. I got a phone call saying, Hey, we're not, you're not, I got a, a voicemail left on my, on my voicemail. See, that's some bullshit. I'm sorry. Who did that? Uh, the, whoever is in charge there now, I think it was Falvey called me. It's either Falvey or the other guy, Levine. He's a good dude too. That, that was not. Well, he, he said, you know, give me a call back. Uh, you know, we were not, we're decided not to tender you a contract. We're taking you off the roster. Give me a call back if you want to talk about it. Did I call him back? No. no. Well, I wouldn't have handled it that way. I would not have left a voicemail. I would have called you until you picked up the phone. Well, you're, it didn't happen. So, I mean, I think what happened was they had their end-of-meeting reviews on right. all, and all their players, and maybe they referenced it there a little bit and then decided – the day after that it wasn't going to work out. Like I said, it seemed to me like after talking to a bunch of different people in the organization that, that, um, that maybe this was like already on their mind. Okay. But if it was on their mind, then they probably should have done it in person when they told all the coaches they were coming back. Maybe you're right. I mean, you're right. Like this wasn't handled. Like I suppose my biggest question here, what changed in the last nine days since the Cardinals were or weak since the Cardinals were eliminated? What has changed? So if you want to move on, I'm fine with moving on. I really am. Like, that's part of the gig. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know. So regardless, do you think this is a great job or just a good job? As far as what? Like the, the card managerial job. Do you think it's a great job or good job? For the Cardinals? Uh-huh. 
I think it's a great job. I mean, you have a city completely behind you. I think you have uh, an organization willing to spend some bucks. Um, I think they kind of are run, they're run decently. I don't know the inners, inner workings of their front office. I don't know anything about those guys. So that I could completely be wrong about the whole atmosphere. But from everyone I've talked to, it seems like a great place to play. People like playing there. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's one of the premier franchises in the big leagues. And they expect to win every single year. So as a manager, I don't know what else you could want. Yeah, I would imagine it's a, it's a it's a good place to work. They've had only three managers there in the last quarter century. And by the way, I will be totally shocked if they don't bring in somebody who's had ties to this organization. I'll be shocked. Whether that's a Skip Schumacher or somebody else that's already there, I would just be totally shocked. I think we also need to remember, Schilt was an interim manager and then took over because mm-hmm. – they liked what he did. Wasn't ever like their choice, really, their first choice as a manager. And sometimes these front office people, they want their guy in there. But hold on here. Mosellock was there. What do you mean it wasn't their first choice? If they didn't totally want him, then they should have said, hey, listen, you did a good job for us. Interim-wise, we're going to go a different direction. Maybe there wasn't anybody available that they wanted. Maybe there's someone available now that they wanted. That's, that is possible. That's possible, too. Okay. Fair enough. Last thing. Uh, I don't know if you were flipping around to the NFL game between the Buccaneers and the Eagles, but you know who was in his seats right there in the front row is Mike Trout laughing it up, having a good old time when Jalen Hurts scored a touchdown and almost fired a ball at a security guard. He was laughing his ass off. Um, Does it make you upset still to see Mike Trout during the month of October at an Eagles game instead of on a baseball diamond? Of course it does. I mean, think about how awesome that game was last night. You want all the best players. We have, you know, one of the best players, Mookie Betts, showing out, going four for four. Uh, you see all these guys, the emotions that come out of them. Like, I would love to see Mike Trout doing that. Every single person that's a fan of baseball. I mean, he's the best player in baseball. You want to see him shine on the October stage? I have no idea when or if he's going to do that again. I know our guy Nate is in the chat probably, biggest Angel fan I know. They got to do something. I don't know what they got to do, but they got to do something. Pitching. They need fucking pitching. But it's not easy just to go acquire that. So that's to develop it or go pay for it. And <sighs> it's frustrating. I don't know, man. I, I don't see them making the playoffs. What? I mean, maybe maybe the Astros get rid of all these guys and they, they go back. And Oakland gets rid of guys and they go back. But here's the Mariners coming up now. Like, it's hey. frustrating. It is frustrating. Remember about 20 minutes ago when I told you the Giants, according to Dakota, had a 0% chance of winning the NL West? Maybe that's the way it'll go for the Angels. Probably not. Because they don't develop pitching. They haven't developed pitching. Okay, fine. Yeah, it it ticks me off, but it's not like – I'm like, oh, my God, look, Mike Trout. Like, I expect him – I can tell you exactly what Eagles home game he's going to when the schedule comes out for the NFL. I'll be like, yep, he'll be there at the uh, first Eagles home game right after the baseball season ends because he ain't going to have anything else to do. They're, they're going to have money to spend. We all know. Yeah. So they, like, that's, always, that's not the, always the answer, though, is going out and spending on free agency. You have to develop talent. Yeah, well, they've never been shy about spending money. They just don't spend it wisely, usually on free agents. They don't need yeah, let me tell them that right now. Look look into my eyes, Angel's brain trust. You don't need another bat. You don't need another bat. Let's go with – let's go with – Sorry, I was just looking into your eyes. <laughs> All right, before we get out of here, what do you have coming up on John Boy? 
I'm going um, to do Talking Baseball okay. with the boys. We're going to recap last night, preview the series, uh, and do all that good stuff. And then I'm actually doing something – I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it or not. I'm doing something with Doug Landville talking about uh, the minor leagues and, you know, what it's like and, you know, is it really as bad as everyone says? And I'm going to tell him, yes, it really is. So I'm doing that today. Wow. I don't know when that will come up if everyone posted. What about you? Very, very good. Uh, so the ALCS preview with Trevor May of the New York Mets is out. And you're like, well, hold on, Trevor May, he's pitched in the National League. Well, first of all, he faced Boston this year. And he played his first six seasons with the Minnesota Twins. So he has faced these guys plenty. He is kind of a baseball savant, so he's really, really good. And early this morning at 6 a.m. Los Angeles time, I taped the NLCS preview with Jesse Winker of the Cincinnati Reds. So spent a lot of time talking about what he's going to be doing this offseason. He is a huge Buffalo Bills fan. We actually rewatched a little bit of the Browns-Bills playoff game from 1990. I hit, He wasn't even born, so I had to kind of indoctrinate him into that because I was at that game. But he's hilarious. You guys have had him on Talking Baseball. He's a really funny guy. Uh, easy to root for, talk about a lot of good stuff, and including whether or not he ever got that sign from that Mets fan when he was holding the sign that said, Jesse Winker's a bitch. So we talked about that. I love it. I love it. I love it. He's great. Very good. Uh, we will see you maybe, I think, Sunday, right? We're going to join us? I won't be here tomorrow because I have an obligation. I'm coaching. Coach coaching Tra- Little League. That's okay. Got a coach. And then Sunday, yeah, I think Sunday – you and I will be together, right? Yes, yes. But tomorrow we are going to have baseball today. Since the NLCS gets started, you know who's going to join me? Pizza? Moylan? No. Oh, who? Ashlyn. Oh, great. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say Ash. I thought you were, you were uh, tricking me. No, no, no. Ash is back. Oh, my God. Buckle up. Give me a nervous wreck is what she's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Listen, everybody have a wonderful day. Enjoy game one of the ALCS tonight. We'll catch you soon. Thanks for watching the playoff edition of baseball today presented by dugout mugs. Later guys.